0: It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place?
1: You know, there were times in which I felt like I didn't want to go to work. Mm. And it didn't have anything to do with the people. It just had a lot to do with the work. You weren't really passionate about the work. No, I never was. And that that is the biggest thing. You know, they say when you're in school, I, um, do what you would do, even if you weren't paid to do it. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm at the point now where I would do it if I wasn't paid to do it. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. believe in my soul that this is what I was put on this earth to do now.
0: On this show, we're exploring freedom, making choices and living the life you want to live. But more importantly, we're looking at the value of caring. Do you care about people? Not just your family and friends, but all people. You see, caring is an underrated value, and it was instilled into the formative years of my guest, and it has shaped his life and work, bringing him everything he ever wanted. Matt Ward was born the third child to a low-income family with problems. He's the only sibling to finish high school and go to college and avoid prison. How he avoided the path to jail is down to the universe giving him a break. At the age of 10, grade, he received a scholarship to the Milton Hershey Boarding School. Now that is a fascinating story in itself. It's a school set up by Milton Hershey and his wife Catherine, who both loved children but could not have any of their own. They set up the Educational Foundation in 1910, and today the school has over $15 billion in assets. So every time you eat a Hershey's Chocolate Bar, you are supporting the school worth a thought. I will post a link to their work in the podcast page. Now attending this school put Matt on a new path. It taught him values and one of which was caring and that became the theme of his life. He left the Hershey School and went to college. He was interested in hotel and restaurant management. He did not have enough interest or patience for cooking. As he says, I failed the broccoli and cheese sauce class. Not a cook, but I'm a great microwaver. It was while volunteering at a youth football club in 1999 that an opportunity appeared. They needed a website for this new internet craze and Matt was asked to build it. Once other clubs saw what he had created, they all wanted a website. So he started a web design business. That business grew year on year and employed eight people. Matt's focus was always about the sales and relationships. Particularly he enjoyed speaking at events and meeting people. By 2018, the business was growing, but it was not feeding his soul. He was working hard, but he felt he was going nowhere. So he sold it to one of his employees for a seven-figure sum and stepped out into the world of professional speaking. Our conversation is, as always, about the journey. It's about his self-discovery and his move towards freedom and living by the phrase, do me. We talk about friendships and building relationships. In Matt's words, Many men are black and white, action orientated. They don't take the time to build relationships properly. It is clear that he thrives around the idea of freedom and the joy of living. His purpose is speaking and sharing the concept of caring. But it's also about sharing the story of the school that changed his life. Since starting on his speaking journey, Matt has written three books. More word of mouth referrals. Lifelong Customers and Raging Fans, and his newest book, The High Five Effect, how to do business with people who bring you joy. He's also the host at the Mass Business Podcast. He's a paid keynote speaker and a word of mouth referral consultant. So let's join the conversation with Matt Ward. Thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Paul. I greatly appreciate it.
0: So tell me, Matt, what is the journey been for you? Where did it all begin for you?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess my journey really started back in sort of elementary or middle school, uh, when I attended a private tuition-free boarding school who who which was founded by the guy that created the chocolate bar in Hershey, oh. Pennsylvania. Mm. And a lot of people have no idea that there's a connection between Hershey chocolate and a, a, a boarding school. In, uh, how, Val-
0: how, how old is Hershey chocolate?
1: Uh, so he founded the company in the late 1800s, early okay. 1900s. So
0: similar thing from the Kellogg's guy, I guess, kind of like you do this thing and you, you give back somehow. Well,
1: yeah. And so Milton Hershey and his wife, uh, Catherine, could not have children. Okay. So uh, they, in 1909, put their entire fortune, $60 million into a trust fund called the deed trust. And the sole purpose of that is to fund the school. And currently today there's 2,500 kids to go um, to, to school there. Wow. And uh, they go completely tuition free, room, board, shelter, and when they graduate, they can earn up to ninety thousand dollars to go to college.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so you were yeah. quite you were quite lucky to get into there then, or did how did you? I was, how yeah. You, how did you get into that? Was it a scholarship thing? Or was it what was? Um,
1: it? Well, everything is based on scholarship, right? Because nobody pays to go. There. Okay. Um, a, so yeah. So it's more like what they do is they network through sort of family counselors, and I'm the youngest of three boys. The first to graduate high school and the only one not to go to prison. Ah, so okay. going to that school, I was definitely on a path that was going to be an issue. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was quite, quite a challenge. Uh, I, I'm happy that I was there, right? Because it really changed the game for me. And I kind of learned through the process of being there, what Milton Hershey was all about. And the concepts of him giving back and caring about other people and those types of things. And I carried that um, to, to this point in my life now. And I didn't, I I went to college, but I didn't do well there. Just started working and then, uh, you know, started a part-time business, turned it full-time and then sold it 16 years later to one of my employees for seven figures.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. We've traveled a little bit, but we've traveled quite fast in a very short space of time. So let's go back to the education thing. I mean, the school obviously was a, was it, this was like general education, high school kind of thing, was it?
1: Uh, Yeah. So it's kindergarten through 12th grade.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So that's that's the whole, the whole. And I
1: went there in, uh, uh, I went there in sixth grade. I was 10. Okay.
0: Okay. And uh, yeah, okay. So, and you went to college. What did what did you want to What did you want to do? I mean, did you have any? I wanted
1: to be in hotel restaurant management. Okay. And uh, uh, that didn't work out for me because uh, I failed
0: broccoli and cheese sauce class. How can you fail broccoli and cheese sauce class? What does that mean? I
1: can't cook. I'm the least (laughs) impatient person in the world. (laughs) Okay. I like ignore everything that's on the stove. Okay. I'd rather do other things.
0: Okay. Okay. Not a Um, cook.
1: No. Horrible. I'm a great microwaver. Not a cook. Okay.
0: Okay. Oh, well, fair enough. Okay. <clears throat> so you ended up at college and you, you, you're you going to go into that, but you didn't go there. So what was the business you started then?
1: Uh, so in 2002, <laughs> I started a part-time web design company. And uh, the way I fell into that was I was a volunteer for uh, youth football and, uh, and, and sports and, uh, you know, I was on the board and I said, oh, we should get one of these these things called a website. And they said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Go ahead and do it. I was like, what do I know about that? And so I found a friend who would do it for free. And uh, she did it. And then everybody in the youth football program thought I did the website. (laughs) So when they thought I did the website, I was just like, oh, okay. And then one of the teams we played, um, came to me and said, well, you do our team's website. And I was like, sure. And I charged them 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then I had somebody else do it. So I basically outsourced the work. And uh, I was like, okay, I guess there's a business here. Mm-hmm. And then I just started doing it, you know, part-time consistently. I mean,
0: that era was the time when doing websites would look like magic, didn't it? I mean, people people, yeah. could, people that could do it were literally quite... Yeah,
1: because that was 90... 90- that was uh, that was 99 2000 ish, and then I started the company in 2002. Mm. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, it was a yeah, I remember. I mean, I, we did websites at that time, and, and I remember they were a journey. So, you started the company. How long did you hold it? Had the company for
1: I started in 2002, took it full time in 2005, and sold it in 2018.
0: So, all right, yeah. so you haven't been long out of it then, so it was only, only a few years, no,
1: ago. so it's now you know, it's been uh. A little over three years okay and um and now i'm a professional speaker and a, a word of mouth referral consultant oh, so wow. i help people get more referrals in their business
0: mm-hmm. well we'll get to that in a minute so what was yeah. the journey what was the journey in because i mean starting a company in 2002 it was a very different mm-hmm. company and by the time you sold it you must have had quite a few employees i imagine
1: well we had there were eight of us total yeah
0: oh, okay okay and uh was it a lot did it become a large company was it well-known and that sort of stuff
1: i mean you know I used to tell people when they asked me, uh, you know, where I was, I'd say Boston, cause they just didn't know Boston, mm-hmm. but I, we were an hour and a half from Boston. So mm-hmm. it was more rural, but our, our coverage area was a good portion of, of the state of Massachusetts. I say coverage area. I mean, we did websites cause there were websites, right? So mm-hmm. everybody could work from home. We weren't yeah. working from home. We had, we had an office space and all that. Um, but we could do a lot of work remotely and uh, you know, I, I guess large is relative, right? Mm. Um, you know, revenue-wise, it was decent. It wasn't millions of dollars um, in revenue, um, but and it wasn't tons of employees, right? Um, there were eight of us, and that included myself. Um, so it, it worked out the way mm. you know it was a comfortable life for sure. What, what but what made it had you want to stranglehold
0: on? What me, made you, you want to shift out of it? What was what was the, the 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 you know the push that put you out of it?
1: Yeah, the push that put me out of it so much was um, two concerns was the industry. I was very deeply concerned about the industry. I felt like at some point, somebody was going to make a button that you hit and it would make a website. And so we started to shift in, um, you know, like 2014 or so into much more management of websites. Mm. And we'd make a lot more money that way. (laughs) Yeah, It was all recurring, right? Um, So the billing was happening every month with these people on plans. Um, but the bigger issue was that ultimately the business had a stranglehold of me. You know, it, I was at the beck and call of the business, not so much the employees, but just the business owned me. I didn't design a, a what I refer to or or have heard referred to as a lifestyle business. And that's what I have now. Right. Um, and so for me, I'm definitely passionate about people, but more so, I think the issue primarily was just that I, I didn't i didn't feel like you know there were times in which i felt like i didn't want to go to work mm. and it didn't have anything to do with the people it just had a lot to do with the work yeah
0: the work and, wasn't there wasn't lighting your fire by the time it was it but it was you weren't really passionate about the work
1: no i never was and that that is the biggest thing you know they say when you're in school I, I don't know if you've heard this before paul but um do what you would do even if you weren't paid to do it mm. It's not websites for me
0: no it never was no i mean now I think there I has am. to be a there has to be an element of that in life because you can't always be doing it. but but the point is you have to be able to find something in what you're doing that feeds it if you can't yeah. find anything then it's really tough
1: yeah and 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 now I'm at the point now where I would do it if I wasn't paid to do it. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. believe in my soul that this is what I was put on this earth to do now.
0: So you left that business and you went to become a speaker. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that yeah. was that was quite a jump. I mean, obviously, that's did, well, you, I was you,
1: doing a lot of speaking in the web industry. huh. Um, and I was, you know, one of the top partners for Constant Contact email marketing. And I was doing a lot of local speaking for them. I spoke at um, two of their conferences on a national scale, and all of that was free speaking and what is referred to as biz dev speaking. You know, you speak to become the thought leader, and then yeah. people hire you for your service. And so I got bit by the bug, and uh, I really enjoyed the speaking side of it. And I wanted to do more motivational and educational stuff, and and so that that's in early 2018 about six months before I sold the company. And that's what I decided I was going to do. Did
0: you go through any training? I mean, I, I, my, my training was Toastmasters. That's where I went. To sure. The, yeah, that's what
1: I yeah, so um, I immediately joined National Speakers Association. All I right. did not do Toastmasters because I, I it so much just felt like I was comfortable on my feet. I wasn't one of those people that was concerned about what to say or how to say it, so to speak. But I joined the National Speakers Association and I did invest in um, public speaking training Programs, multiple ones, and spent quite a bit of money. To be perfectly frank, I probably spent you know thirty plus thousand dollars on on developing the skills both on stage um, as well as the preparation off stage, and then also uh, just investing in the National Speakers Association local chapter that I I'm involved in the the New England chapter. And getting involved there and meeting people and understanding the business of speaking and how it works and what the different formats are and how you can effectively make money as, as a business. And and then going to the national conferences and learning from Hall of Fame speakers and people who've been in the business for 20 and 30 years, how it has evolved over time and how they were insulating themselves for a downturn, which ended up happening with the pandemic. Mm. So... Um, You know, that was a tough thing. In 2019, Paul, I did 35 gigs all over the country. Wow. So I was really, really moving in a positive direction. I'd been in cities I'd never been. In fact, I'd never been to New Orleans in my entire life. And I was there twice in five days for two different events. So, you know, it, it was just a great run. And, um, you know, it, then it all
0: shut down. 2020 was a very... um. Difficult year for many of them.
1: There, there were speakers I knew that were getting, you know, their, their fee was like $15,000 to do their keynote. And during the pandemic, they were lucky to be getting $1,500 to do a virtual version of that. Um, now, many speakers have what's referred to as a back-end business. They might have an online program or they might have coaching or whatever. And so they might have been okay. But there were many speakers that were not okay. There were some speakers I know that had to go get a job. Um, you know, in my case, I pivoted. That was the big word, right? A Pivot. Um, I pivoted into uh, coaching and, and doing uh, consulting around referrals and networking. So, you know, I fell fell into that space pretty well. And there were so there that was interesting too, Paul, because that journey was interesting because I I didn't leave the web industry to sit behind a computer screen all day. No. I was doing that to some degree at the web industry, <clears throat> although I wasn't coding anything. I was still the relationship guy and the sales guy there, but I didn't leave to sit at a desk and be on zoom all day.
0: Mm. And
1: that's exactly what I ended up <clears throat> doing when the pandemic hit. And so I had to really do a lot of soul searching as to what I was struggling with. And it turned out it was just calendar. I don't like looking at my calendar three or four weeks out and seeing a lot of things blocked off. Hmm. And that has been a struggle for me. So I now limit that. And so clients that come on and they want recurring appointments, I just don't do that. I don't take the client on. Um, what, what we typically do is when I have a call with a client, then I'll set up the next call and we go from there like that. It's just better that
0: way. It's, that's a freedom thing, isn't it? That's, that's all a
1: about freedom for me.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, my definition of freedom is doing what I want, when I want, where I want and how I want. Hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I and it,
1: And I'm not driven by the money. I'm driven to not go back to where I came from Paul. Yeah. But the money doesn't drive me. Obviously I need money to live.
0: Yeah.
1: But I just don't want to go backwards. As long as I'm not going backwards, I'm fine. If, even if I'm at static flow, I, I'm good. I, I have enough money that I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to break records with my bank account. That is not important to me. It's not how I judge myself. It's not how I look at success. Yeah. To me, I look at success as to how flexible my life
0: is yeah. to travel. We'll, get, we'll, to we'll, we'll get to the success conversation as, as, as we go through, but it is fascinating. So what, what did you, I mean, like the thing about speaking for me, I mean, I, one thing that really thwarted my Toastmasters journey is that I never found something to speak on. I never found a topic that really that I could specialize in because i you know, and, and that's what i live. so so how did you what was your specialism in speaking what did you find that that really lit your fire that you could actually bring something to
1: it was this idea about referrals and specifically caring about other people in business uh-huh so that you could get more referrals
0: yeah that made, i can i can see that because right? what
1: happened so that story is very interesting too paul Um, in probably January of 2018, I was talking to a good friend of mine, a speaker friend, Sonia Stetzler from North Carolina. And I said, I have no idea what I'm going to speak about when I sell this business in six months. And she said, well, tell me about what you've been doing. And I said, I I do this, this and this. And she said, why was your web company so successful? I said, well, it's all the referrals we've been getting for the last four years. We just haven't gotten new clients that didn't come by referral. Mm -hmm. She said, how'd you do that? And I said, well, I just stayed in touch with people. I cared about them. Mm Hmm. She's like, that's what you need to talk about. And I said, you're telling me that people don't care about other people? She said, no, I'm telling you that we forget. And I went, aha. And so since then, I have made it my mission to help people understand internally how to not forget to care about other people in business.
0: Yeah, And you know, I care about other people, but I don't make the effort to keep in touch with them.
1: And that's the game changer, Paul.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you know the story. I mean, there's that, what's that famous story by the most famous salesman in the world. He used to basically send uh, birthday cards and Christmas cards. And he, and he did it in his own right. He literally was handwriting these things out. And he would go to a car. He, he would be in a car dealership. And he would send car, cars to everybody. And everybody would buy their cars from him, wherever he turned up, because he always kept in touch with everybody with a Christmas card or a birthday card. hmm you doing yeah. 15,000 cards a month at some stages. I and mean, this is within the days of the mail, you know.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, but th- there's no way he was. Do- <laughs> so, I mean, look, I don't know his story. I'm going to argue on the other side that there's no way he was effectively doing all of those by himself. I'm not no, saying he, no, didn't he, sign he had them.
0: a team. He had a team right. in the end who were filling out cards for him in those days. But, yeah. You know, initially, he started the process. And obviously.
1: yeah. And so, Paul, this is all about understanding what I talk about my my practice is, um, trigger points and and touch points. Hmm. Trigger points are the things that make you think about reaching out to somebody. So something happened, like a LinkedIn connection, oh, or a podcast interview, or something like that. And then the touch point is the actual action you take. Then there's the process by which you streamline that. So you can't send a card if you don't have a mailing address. No. So how do you get the mailing address? And everybody worries about that. It's like a big deal. All the pandemic, everybody work from home. Just ask this simple question. What's your current mailing address? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: By now we've figured out how to get mail when we work from home.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So people fill it out all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm on Zoom calls all the time and I drop a little link in that people can update their address on and it sends me a notification when they do it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so that's just one step in the process. So you can't send a card if you don't have an address. You can't send a card if you don't have cards. You can't send a card if you don't have stamps. So I tell people, do those three things first and then start sending cards.
0: Do you do, you do the card process? Do you think physical cards?
1: Yes, I do. In fact, I have one right here. Ah,
0: okay. All right.
1: Custom card, uh, no branding whatsoever. Just a picture of my ATV on it. It says slay the day. Yeah. Um, And I don't believe you should put your business card inside when you fold it up because that makes it about you and not them.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And just leave it at that. Just send a thankful note. Uh, as I like to tell people, you need to go from the inbox to the mailbox. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can see that because the inbox is just so. Um, well, it's just chuck away, chuck away, isn't it? The inbox. Yeah, it's it's disposable.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's looked over, right? But yeah. the first thing that happens when somebody goes to the mailbox is they pull out everything that's not pre-sorted junk mail.
0: Yeah, was it Dan Kennedy? As you say, they they they, they sort it over the filing cabinet. <laughs> that's right. That's true. <laughs> the square one that sits on the floor.
1: It's <laughs> 100% true. Uh, and it's so funny because I have a mail forwarding service that I use as well for my mail because I'm constantly in different places. And so they scan the envelope, take a picture of it. And the first thing I now look for in the upper right where the stamp is, is the words pre-sorted first class.
0: Right. Why that's not? what i look for why is that because that tells
1: me it's junk mail It's some solicitation like a new mortgage or a better rate oh, okay, or life okay, insurance. okay okay so, that's that's the yeah. u.s
0: market i'm not sure we have that in the uk i'm not sure i'm sure i'd notice
1: oh it. yeah that's a u.s based thing yeah. yeah yep so so that's how that's that's how i ended up talking about referrals and and i love every minute of it now
0: yeah, you clearly are. You clearly are switched on by it. I can hear the difference in your voice when you talk about it rather than talking about web, the web industry. Yeah, your websites, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll never forget somebody saying to me, Well, what's your background? Oh, it's websites. Well, why don't you talk about that? I was like, Yeah, no. I'm just kind of done with that whole thing.
0: I mean, you mentioned your family early on about, you know, sort of your family one's in prison and one somewhere else. I mean, it's like, so I mean, have you is that part of your, still part of your life you're in, in that, in that sense? I mean, have you moved, you know, cause obviously you you, you did something different. You went into business and, and your family didn't.
1: Yeah. I don't talk to my brothers, my two older brothers. Oh. Um, no, my middle one stole my identity in 1995 and I haven't spoken to him since.
0: Okay. That, that would kind of, yeah, that would kind and then of, then the other ones in prison, bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The other
1: one's in prison. So I don't talk to him. Uh, and, uh, And we just are not your traditional American family that sits around the table at Thanksgiving. It's just not what we do. And, uh, so it's good. I'm fine with it. Uh, I do, as people often say is do you, I do me, you know, and, uh, it works, it works well. Well, I'm very happy in life and continuing to, um, to do the things that I want to do and continuing to, to thrive around this idea of freedom. You know, look, the, look, the definition of freedom and the thing that was driving me for that really just came to me in the last two years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. It's really this idea that, that I was doing, I was working really hard and not really going anywhere. I didn't like it.
0: Yeah. It's boring. So do you, do you think you have a purpose in life?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I think I have two purposes in life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The first of which is this idea of this, uh, this concept of caring, right? I, I feel like I've landed on that as a mm. purpose. The other purpose, I believe, um, has come to me through the process of speaking that whenever I speak, I also always tell the story of the school. Yeah. The school doesn't need my money. They don't fundraise from alumni. They're funded by the chocolate company. Mm. What they need is more qualified kids Mm. because it's kind of weird how it works. I mean, yeah, there's only so many spots and there's a lot of people who need the school and a lot of people who apply, but funny enough, there are people that don't get in for multiple reasons, but also like if you have a sixth grade girl, they might not have a sixth grade girl opening.
0: Yeah.
1: They might have a seventh grade boy opening or something Mm. like that. And so they need a lot of applications to make that work. And Mm. so, And also, too, I just I just believe that people should know that when they buy Hershey chocolate, they're supporting the school versus like M&M's, you know, and Mars products, which is the competitor, doesn't really support a foundation like that. So, Mm. um, And it's sort of an aha moment. You know, they might have heard about the amusement park in Hershey or they heard about the chocolate company. But they don't really understand that all that's owned by the trust and it came from this guy that couldn't have kids and he was fourth and he filed bankruptcy multiple times, failed businesses, um, seventh grade education, no dad at home. There's a lot of parallels to what my life is, is like, you mm-hmm. know. And so I do believe that that part of my purpose on this earth has also been to spread the message of the Milton Hershey School. Mm,
0: nice. So we touched on success a little bit earlier, but let's let's actually explore this out now. So success is that, you know, there, there's the there's a standard model of success, which you know implies that everything gets bigger and you basically extend your life, you know, you you do various things, you study, you do this, da, 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 da. but obviously greater freedom does not fit within that success model.
1: Greater no. freedom does not fit in the well, success it doesn't because that
0: six method, the success model is about settling down children, family, here. Oh, yeah, that's the narrative
1: that somebody else is created. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's
0: the success model that we're all sold when we, when we, when we grow up. So, it's yeah, like, screw that. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> so greater freedom. So, how so, what's your success model? I think,
1: um, my <clears throat> success, my personal success model. And, and this is a, an important inflection point, too, is, is that I think people need to discover their own personal success model, which is that definition of do you, because it's going to be different for everybody. I
0: really agree. Um, that.
1: But it takes a long time to get there, right? Um, so I what I used to hate, Paul, all the time was these people that talked about retirement and retirement being like golfing. Yes. Like, I cannot sit still. I cannot sit on the beach. Like, and I live near the beach. I can't sit on the beach. It's just not my thing uh, to me at best. It's not stopping. It might be slowing down a little bit, but for me, that's what drives me every day. The freedom thing though, is, is something I've come into in this space that I'm in now. It's nice. Cause I almost feel like some days I'm semi retired, like I'll go out boating in the middle of the week, or I'll go riding my ATVs in the middle of the week. Cause to me, you know, small business ownership and solar solopreneurship. We end up working seven days a week anyway. In my newest book, I actually wrote that the bottom line is it's a choice. You can work seven days a week. I just don't want it to be dictated by the business. It has to be dictated by a choice that you purposely make. So I think that when it comes down to it, um, for me, my success is built off this idea that i'm happy Mm. right and for so long it's not that i've been unhappy i just didn't really know what i really wanted Mm. and now i do
0: Mm. i think that's one of the greatest the biggest things actually when you ask anyone you know what what is it you actually want and so few people have a good answer for that one yeah, you know, I, I want to be on a beach drinking Mai Tais, and I go, okay, well, what happens after that bit? Yeah, uh, you know, like you, you know, like and, it, and there's no there's no backstory to it. There's there's no back or front stories to it. It's just the idea of I'd rather be doing this. Okay, why?
1: but then they get there Paul and it lasts a half hour.
0: Well yeah, precisely. There's no backstory or front story.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's just the this image that, that that they think is the is the ideal and it's like, mm, okay."
1: Well, and I I often wonder if some of that came from the 4-hour work week with Tim Ferriss with a cover image of being on the beach under an umbrella, this idea that you could work 4 hours a week and not <coughs> you know, and retire or or have mailbox money. In Conceptually, that's not even what that book was about, but the title was sort of misleading to a lot of entrepreneurs, I think. Um, And I think, but what it did do is create a discussion around how do you free up more time in your life? And that is a, is a, is an important part of what I think people need to really think about. Are you really doing the things that you're happy doing, or Mm. are you doing things because you feel like you have to do them? Mm
0: yeah 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 and and of course there's always going to be some things that we have to do you know no one wants that no one's to do their taxes but you have to do them you know but, i don't <laughs> i hire that out well right? you do but you still got to make the, you still got to do the some of the bits and pieces of course you yes, i know you hire it out Yeah, you know, but you still got to do the process
1: <laughs> yeah you yeah. still have to have them filed
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so it's like yeah. and i mean that's the thing too
1: is there's a lot that i have that has to get done, but I yeah. choose not to do it. I choose to pay others to do it.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And that's, um, uh, it just comes from a, a, a place of abundance and I'm not talking about abundance of money. I'm just talking about how, how valuable is my time? Yes. Yes. And do I really want to do it, you know, doing things that I don't really love to do or would I just rather have it cost me money to do that. And then I'll just go do the thing I love to do
0: (laughs) because I'm much more happier. And we all have joy in some things, don't we? Like, you know, so like my wife and I enjoy DIY around the house. We enjoy renovating the house ourselves. And it's like, there's a certain pleasure in in repairing or painting something. And it's just, it's our own joy. Now I could, we've got a front door which is being painted at the moment. And you know, between us, we've painted this front door was it worth the time you put in it probably not was there joy involved yes
1: there would be no joy in me involved in painting anything
0: well i, I, I accept that you know yeah, <laughs> i just
1: hire that out
0: yeah i yeah. accept that you know we all we all hire out what we do don't we but it's yep. like we all have to find what what you know what lights a candle i guess in that respect you know? and
1: uh, the funny thing about that paul is you have to try to know that you don't like it yeah yeah I found that out many years ago. It was just like helping people move. I'll step with that too.
0: <laughs> okay. So let's move on to a question. What about contribution? You? How does contribution sit with you? What, how do you contribute to the world?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that ties directly in with sort of what I think about life and how, mm. how I give back in whatever ways I possibly can. No. Before I had any reasonable amount of money, I would give back with my time. Hmm. And that was important to me. Um, that's something I was taught at, at the school and something Milton Hershey did. Um, and and now I can donate, when I can, money to certain causes. Um, so that's a way I contribute back. I also contribute by by providing my services to unique organizations um, or providing consulting services for them to auction off at their nonprofit. Those are ways that I can help. Um and i still get to do what i love which is help people on the strategizing around the 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 relationship building which is really what i do mm. um, and in in teaching them that caring component it's it's always interesting to see people's eyes open up when i talk about this caring component and then they also realize that i'm caring so much about their success mm. that that they they see it in action with me directly in front of them, and that's that's a very good experience for me. And I get a lot of sort of visual feedback that way. Mm. That is very comforting for me. So, um, yeah, it's just it, that's I, I do my best to contribute. In positive ways to society. That's right. But sure. you do,
0: in terms of you know what you do is you know even your your work you do is a contribution, and I, and I think yeah. people need to recognise that the work that we do is a contribution. It, it can be just a small thing contribution. You know, I, I, I encourage people to do daily contribution of some sort, and it just can just be having a nice conversation with someone in a supermarket or you know with with a with a, a cashier uh, you know a, a shop you're in. You can change someone's life just by having a positive conversation with them.
1: And I certainly would hope that the books I've written, <clears throat> you know, are a contribution to the world in some degree, right? They're both in the uh in the uh, Library of Congress. So wow. yeah.
0: Well done. How do you contribute to yourself?
1: By slowing down. Hmm. I'm starting to read more and when when I say read more, not just business books, because that's what I used to do, but also fiction. Uh, I like military style books and, um, you know, books like James Patterson books and SEAL team type books and things like that. I like those books, Um, Brad Taylor books. Mm. Um, And, uh, and so I like to do that. And I also like to take time off with, without my phone my digital detox oh wow so i recently did that a couple months ago for four days Mm. no access to my phone Mm. that was very rewarding and so that's how i contribute to myself journaling as well right and respecting myself too like for many years um i didn't see myself as a success And uh, then one week, like mid, I don't know, 2014, 15, something like that, two different people in the same week told me that they thought I was successful. And that's kind of where it all turned around with my head. It was like, okay, wait, maybe success needs to be redefined by myself. Maybe these people are seeing, I'm not seeing it. What's going on here? Why are they seeing it? What am I not seeing? That type of thing. So I do a lot of work on myself just to be in the right mindset. Um, because much of what we do in life, I think, is mindset.
0: I agree with you. I think I think getting the head right is the first thing that has to be done before you get anything else right in some ways, because yeah. if your head's not in the game, nothing else is going to follow.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So what's the one question you like or you want people to ask of themselves or ask of you?
1: I think. I think the one question people could ask of themselves is, can I care more? Because I always think that the answer is yes. And the definition of more is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a big step up. Sometimes it's a small, tiny tweak. Uh, that's a question I actually ask in my keynote.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it's funny. I actually own the domain name. Icancaremore.com. mmm And if people go to that, it's a little like uh, self-assessment of how much they care about other people in business. You know, Mm -hmm. like, do they send the cards and do they remember people's names? And so you can take this little stuff and it gives you a a score, a Mm -hmm. caring score. And I think that we can tweak things, right? One of the things I talk about is doing things one more better. And it doesn't mean doing it amazing off the charts. Everybody thinks they're business customer service. Oh, people pick us because we're the best at customer service. But you can't, you can't say that you are, that's the customer who gets to say that you are. Um, you just have to do the best you can in any given situation um, without, you know, it's like this not idea of under-promise and over-deliver, it's just always a over-deliver, always find a way to make it a little bit better. And I think if you ask yourself that question is, can I care more, can, is, there, is there something small I can do to tweak this? in a positive way yeah then you'll probably find that the answer is yes and then it's just a matter of acting on huh? it
0: hmm. good answer <laughs> so how can people find you and what do you do if they do find you how do you oh
1: yeah them? absolutely thanks for asking uh my website is matt ward speaks that's w-a-r-d speaks.com yep I'm Matt work speaks on pretty much every social channel out there. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I live on Facebook and LinkedIn more than, than I do on Instagram. Um, and on my website, there's a couple click options. There's the carrying assessment. There's the access to the books, which are also on Amazon. Um, and also if people want to get more referrals and they can go to fireupreferrals.com, and there's a free download there. They can get that, um, I have a lot of videos out on YouTube to engage with me. Matt Ward speaks out there. And uh, there's just a lot of free content that I put out in the world so that people can have access to uh, doing better networking and getting more referrals in a business. And And now with the, the new book that came out this year is about finding joy, right? And surrounding yourself with people who bring you joy. Ah, yes. All right, so that's called the high five effect, how to do business with people who bring you joy.
0: What, what and, the first? what was your first book?
1: The first book is called More Word of Mouth Referrals,
0: Lifelong okay. Customers and Radiant Fans. Okay. And the second one's about joy. Lovely.
1: Yeah. And it's just about having awesome
0: people in your life. Hmm. Yes. There's, there's yeah, we can never have enough awesome people in our lives, can we, really?
1: And they don't they don't have to transact business with you. No. Some of the best people I have in my life, the closest people, the people I would call if I ran out of gas, mm-hmm. have never bought anything from me, or vice versa.
0: That's and friendship. they don't have to
1: right like it's friendship, friendship. it's yeah. it's it's connectivity it's it's caring yeah. about each other's success and that's what that's what that book is really all about
0: what is know? interesting is and unique in some ways is that a lot of men find it very hard to make caring friendships yeah and yeah you, you are kind of flipping it on its head a bit yeah it
1: it's interesting because you, you do see that. I see that a lot in, in the people I work with, um, that many men are black and white and they're also action oriented. And so they, they don't want to take the time. Uh, they're not patient people. So they, you know, they want to jump right to the business and hey, let's get in, let's get out, let's get done. You know, everything Ooh, with they're transaction oriented. And in the book, I talk about the difference between relationship driven people and transaction driven people. Um, You just have to keep meeting a lot of people to find the relationship driven people. And once you find those people, then, then they will hang around you and they will feed your soul Mm. and your business and your life will be happier because of it. You know, we talked about writing cards earlier when you write a card to someone else, the feeling you get internally at just writing the card itself is a positive feeling. So that's a great way to keep living life every day.
0: I, I like it. And I also know that in my son's generation, they don't do paper and, and like, and I think they're going to lose. They don't do cards.
1: They don't do cards. And so they miss going from the inbox (laughs) to the mailbox, but there are ways they can still care about people in a digital environment, like texting a personal message to somebody.
0: Yeah. But you can't keep a personal text message and discover it years later.
1: Well, this is true. This is one thing I always talk about is that when people mail cards, they keep them. They don't throw no. them away. The no, recipient I mean, rarely no, throws away the cards.
0: I mean, what we, when we get postcards from people... Um, particularly friends and they said we we put them in the bookcase when we finished when we, we just, just stuff them between books in the bookcase so when a book comes out this postcard comes out with someone i mean oh i remember that card you know so so it's a nice way of kind of rediscovering these cards
1: absolutely yeah
0: so yeah yeah
1: they'll have to they'll have to figure that out <clears throat> you know you'd be right. surprised the re-emergent of handwritten
0: cards is coming back yeah probably is actually probably is so we, um, so all those links from that and the books and all the details that will be at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Do check it out because they are, you know, the books will be, oh, I'm sure the books are excellent. And obviously Matt has, has hit a, a nerve here, I think, particularly around this idea of friendship and, and connecting with people. So I'm really impressed with that. So uh, I will be looking at that on my Amazon list, I suspect.
1: <laughs> yeah, check it out. I, I appreciate you having me on the show, Paul. It's been a lot of fun. As I always like to say at the end of every video I put out on YouTube, don't forget to live happy, smile a lot and high five (laughs) everyone around you. I love it.
0: So look, we get to the final question of this podcast that we ask all of our guests. What's the meaning of life for you?
1: To me, it's about happiness. Hmm. And can you find that happiness and that joy internally and not struggle with and, and, and dwell on what your own purpose is even if you don't know it hmm. yet um it's about it's about inner peace
0: hmm. good answers good as any i mean you know as long as long as you live by those answers that's all that matters <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> Matt Ward thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with me and and sharing your wisdom with us thank you and that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest Matt Ward now if you would like to find out more about Matt or connect with him you can find him on LinkedIn and on Facebook his website is breakthrough-champion.com and that's where you can find the caring assessment he mentioned He's also got a YouTube channel, which is full of loads of lovely resources there. And that's Matt Ward Speaks. And you can find him on Twitter, again, at Matt Ward Speaks. There are also the three books and the podcasts. All of those links will be available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time I can remember, and we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery. And it's at the amazing price of just 12 dollars 99 So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing. And, of course, sharing it with a friend. Because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.